tight end absolutely smashed last year. The issue, you just picked the wrong ones. Hey, now I have a list. I have the list of the great ones. Rob Gronkowski went 145 overall. He ended up as a tight end four. Dalton Schultz, 215 overall. Ended up as a tight end five. Dawson Knox, 214, tight end eight. We even throw in Hunter Henry, a few more names. Hayden, the parameters that we are using today, not just with tight ends, but with quarterbacks to find the sleepers. The start of round 10, 120 plus ADP. What can we take from those names that I just listed and impart them to try to find the names that we need to know for your underdog fantasy drafts this offseason? So there's two ways why tight ends are very unpredictable compared to the other positions. Number one, like you said, there's like a couple tight ends that just come out of relatively nowhere. Dalton Schultz wasn't a big name. Dawson Knox was kind of an in-between name. Uh, but then week to week, these this is the position that's reliant on touchdowns the most. And this chart is showing you how often the, the top performers at each position are actually in your best ball lineup. And if you look, only 50% of the top 12 tight ends on the season-long uh, uh scoring are actually in your lineup each week because one week they'll have three fantasy points. The next week they'll score a touchdown and they'll have 12. So that's why I like having multiple tight ends in best ball. I'm on team three tight ends and I'm especially this year. I like the late, the late round guys because of some of these names we're going to throw out there. Give me three of Gerald Everett and David Njoku and uh, name your favorite third tight end. And I'll ping pong those weeks in best ball. And I can use that volatility in my favor. As for quarterbacks, Joe Burrow went 125 overall uh, as the quarterback 15 last year. Kirk Cousins went 164 overall. We'll get into some of those names in just a little bit. Yeah, I don't want you to unleash all of our sleepers, Hayden. we got to get people to watch the show here for a moment. And you kind of mentioned some spike week tight ends. Everyone keep that in mind in the discussions we're about to have. If you are new here, this is our last roundup of all the sleepers ahead of the August month, basically, that is such an important part in your underdog drafts. We've done running backs. We have done wide receivers. We also have full extended hour, two-hour conversations on each of those. So if you're new to the channel, hit subscribe. Find all the videos down below as well because we got plenty of content and clips on the way. All right, man. Let's get it started. We'll kick it on over to you. We're going to do six names here in the next 20 minutes, I hope. And we'll start with one of your favorite quarterbacks in the later rounds of these onesie positions. That's Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones, I think, is a perfect second quarterback in best ball. If you've drafted like Patrick Mahomes or Kyler Murray and you go Daniel Jones, you're set. You can just go with those two. Or you can have three quarterbacks and make Daniel Jones uh, your first quarterback. I'm to totally open to that. The reason why, as a rookie, he was on 31 touchdown pace, which is pretty damn good. In comes Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. And what do you know? The offense goes to shit. But since then, on that rookie season, they've added Andrew Thomas to clear up the left tackle. They've added Evan Neal uh, in the first round this year to be right tackle. They also add, added John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky. This offensive line is all, no longer bad. I think it's actually, you can make an argument that it could actually be good this year. Adding Kadarius Tony's upside. And I think just in general, this offense is going to be playing with more pace and more neutral pass rate. Uh, just looking at Brian Dayball's offense in the past, he's been top 12 in neutral pace in each of the last three seasons. Last year, they were third in neutral pass rate, ninth in neutral pace. I think you're going to see more play volume from Daniel Jones. And all of a sudden, the environment isn't nearly as bad. So um, we've seen Daniel Jones be really bad. We've seen a couple of weeks in a row where Daniel Jones has gone on a little bit of a run here. The, Situation has never been better for Daniel Jones. He kind of uh, has a little more of an aggressive mentality. Last year, that was not the case because, uh, I mean, it was just a stone cold disaster with Jason Garrett. But I think he has the weapons and the offensive environment to have some spiked weeks in best ball. 
But I've always been nervous about Daniel Jones. 19 fumbles during his rookie season to go along with 12 interceptions. 11 fumbles during his second season to go along with 10 interceptions. That we know he missed a good chunk of his third season in the league. And that's all compounded by bad offensive line, bad play calling, maybe a poor supporting cast at wide receiver as well because you have to hold him the football for a longer period of time. He actually does play with like blinders on almost like he's in horse racing and can't see anyone else around him. Just what's straight ahead. And so he kind of loses that feel for the pocket, but we're entering some dangerous territory here with the giants. Hayden, we have a full video clip on the channel of Kadarius, Tony uh, one on the way, probably with Kenny Galladay. Cause he was on our sleeper show. We've have one on Saquon Barkley. And now we're talking about Daniel Jones. Um, I'm of the opinion that that's okay because so much of, where a player is going in drafts, where teams are going in drafts right now are based on what they did last year. And I'll just spin a little bit of what we talked about with Galladay, where only 19% of his targets last season were 20 plus yards down the field. A better offensive line, a more aggressive play caller, a better structure of the offense is going to allow them to be a bit more aggressive. And yeah, as you said, going as the quarterback 21, 157 overall, this is a really solid quarterback two or quarterback three. They can also do some late stacks with in the passing game. Yeah, that's the key. You go with the Ravens, Cardinals, Bills, Bengals, those type of teams as your primary stack in the in the first 10 rounds. And then income, you can sprinkle in a little Kadarius Tony, a little Daniel Jones, maybe even Wandale Robinson in the slot. And now all of a sudden you have a second correlated piece in the offense. This is a kind of a bet on Brian Dable. I know they're resetting organizationally, but I think a lot of that resetting quietly is on the defensive side. And for fantasy purposes, mm. that doesn't really matter. This isn't for dynasty for Daniel Jones, but quietly the offense to me looks at least has some upside here compared to the last couple seasons with the Giants. A little nervous defensively when they don't really have any corners after releasing James Bradbury, not taking one in round one uh, with a Wink Martindale defense. But that's a conversation. Well, that might be good team. for Daniel Jones. It might be. <laughs> it might be. Uh, okay, we'll stick with the quarterback theme here. I'm about to pitch you a case for a player who was 30th in completion percentage last year, 30 seconds in yards per attempt, and a 25th an interception percentage, but I've got to do it. He's the quarterback 18, 140 overall, and you all guessed it. It's Trevor Lawrence. Yes, I am doing it, and this is 100% an eye test, baby. And what Trevor Lawrence showed last year, Hayden, was aggression. What Trevor Lawrence showed last year was an ability to handle disruption, a knack at avoiding sacks. His percentage was actually really low in comparison to how many pressures he took last year, and a mindset, a mindset that allowed him to consistently get over his teammates, letting him down along with a coaching staff. I mean, there were so many instances where he created a positive play, where he was able to escape out of the pocket, where he put a ball in single coverage that the running back or the wide receiver or the tight end just absolutely dropped. His teammates blew it all around him. And that was for a lack of talent. That was definitely a lack of coaching and a lack of preparation. And if you are watching us on YouTube, you saw the opening clip here. And I, I mainly want to refer to where he's going in drafts. Again, quarterback 18. After you do those top 14 quarterbacks in Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins at quarterback 15, I would move Trevor Lawrence ahead and, and Justin Fields as quarterback 16. And a major part of that Justin Fields conversation is about his Konami code. It's about the rushing upside. Let's not overlook that Trevor Lawrence has that as well, man. In his final few two years in college, he had 17 rushing touchdowns. Justin Fields had just 15. It's going to be utilized, especially maybe with an injured James Robinson to start this season. I absolutely love Trevor Lawrence this year. The environment around him, not just the talent, but the coaching is in such a better spot. And I do not, I do not want to give up on the player that we think has entered the NFL after just one season. 
just to put a, a number on how bad that environment is, I'm looking at yards per route run versus cover one and cover two man. So that's just, is your wide receivers good enough? And you can even, uh, with SIS, you can even filter that into on target throws only. So this is just Trevor Lawrence putting in a spot where his wide receivers can win. And they were dead last in yards per route run by more than a full yard. Like this was basically unwatchable wide receiver play. And you add not just uh, Travis Etienne, who's going to help in the passing game. You're also going to get Christian Kirk, who's that vertical slot option. LaVisca Chenault could not beat man coverage. He's not fast enough. And maybe you're in a better spot with Marvin Jones and Zay Jones to kind of wide, uh, widen out this receiver group. So to me, this is just about the wide receivers too, not even just urban Meyer. Shit. Hayden LaVisca Chenault was like the worst wide receiver in the league last year. The offense, the only way for it to get speed out there was for Trevor Lawrence to make swag new into something. Marvin Jones had some downfield moments, and it's because Trevor is so much more aggressive and comfortable in those moments. Almost has a little Phillip Rivers into him when, despite being down 14, 17 points in the third quarter, he's still going to take shots, and maybe that's going to equal interceptions in some negative plays. I'm not saying he's perfect. I mean, he is late, especially on zones, missed some windows, all that type of stuff. But just like you talked about with Daniel Jones, you can stack this team late as well. I mean, their highest drafted player is Travis Etienne at 36 overall. Christian Kirk at 87 overall in terms of spike weeks at wide receiver 43. Give them to me. And then we've talked about Evan Ingram, not in this show, but on other ones as a tight end 22. I think Doug Peterson is just going to have a lot of answers early and often for Trevor Lawrence. And again, the environment is so much better. Yep. This is one of my favorite teams. Basically the Giants, the Jaguars, and my next sleeper team is the Patriots with Mac Jones and Hunter Henry. And this is where you can just stack up these teams late after you've hit out out of the park with those elite stacks. Uh, The reason why I think that um, I'm on Mac Jones and Hunter Henry is I think that they're going to pass the ball more last year. They were 32nd in neutral pass rate, 27th in neutral pace, one of the slowest offenses, not just in terms of play calling, but also on field talent. You're adding Devontae Parker as a true X receiver. They did not have a true X receiver last year. Johnny Smith says that he's going to take a second step in the season because they've kind of dumbed down the playbook and uh, they're not going to use that fullback, Jakob Johnson, anymore. I think that Mac Jones has earned the right to pass more. He was eighth in completion percentage over expected, 10th in big play rate. About most people don't know that. On the 10th highest A dot, he's actually a, he can hit that intermediate pass pretty damn well. 10th in success rate, 7th in offensive DVOA, 14th in yards per pass attempt. All he needs to do is pass the ball more often. I think that the Devontae Parker signing is a key to that. And then when you go over to Hunter Henry in particular, he's one of my favorite values at tight end. He just did it last year. And like we, yep. he, I mean, he was already 100th overall and better in best ball points last year because of these touchdowns. Um, yes, he's a negative touchdown regression candidate, but he was still fifth in expected touchdowns because they actually use him down there. And I just think that right now, when you're looking at uh, uh, his highest cap hit at the tight end position, any tight end in the league, it's Hunter Henry right now. And I think that Mac Jones earned the right to pass the ball more. And you can kind of see some of the offensive transactions this year kind of leading me to believe that Mac Jones is going to pass the ball maybe 10% more than he did last year. And that's enough for him to be in that like uh, maybe top 15 fantasy quarterback conversation. First on Hunter Henry. He was a late-round tight end that hit last year, and he's the only one in that group who qualifies as a late-round tight end again this year. That's insane. And he was, I believe, a tight end 10, tight end 11 in fantasy points per game last season. And in terms of red zone targets, he was up there with 17. And I believe he tied for the second most touchdowns among all tight ends last year with nine. 
they're going to throw the football more. I think any intelligent person based on the personnel decisions and some of the coaching decisions, we believe that is going to happen. And then curtailing that with Mac Jones, the bias still exists. The people who watch this show regularly know what I'm about to say. If you watch Mac Jones, you are going to EA either like Mac Jones or you're lying to yourself. He's damn good. <laughs> He's really good, man. Like, he processes post-snap, pre-snap, gets the ball in his hands, and then his accuracy, his timing, his placement, it's all there. Is he a fantastic athlete? Absolutely not. But who knows after he went full Captain America this summer and looks he's got pi- He's got pipes now. Does he have a bazooka for an arm? Absolutely not. But do you see the placement? Do you see some of the off-platform early throws that he's making when the, the leverage is there for his wide receiver? Absolutely. Uh Mac Jones, if you're not on board, not flashy at all, but he absolutely just gets it done. And I'm really excited to see what he can do in year two. I have an uncomfortable amount of Hunter Henry, Devontae Parker, and Mac Jones stacks in our employee leagues. And uh, <laughs> I feel actually it's not even un- uncomfortable. I'm, not, I'm happy that's the case. I, I forgot to ask you this question, but uh, Hayden, ask me who my highest exposure quarterback is in all my underdog drafts this summer. Who is your highest exposed player at quarterback? Trevor Lawrence at 37%. Let's do it. 37% Trevor Lawrence. What am I doing with my life? Okay. Uh, You talked about Hunter Henry. So let me continue it here with a tight end. We opened this conversation talking about the high variance nature of the position based really on touchdowns. That's the name of the game here. So I'm going to give you maybe the, the most boomer bust spike week tight end out there. And his name is David Njoku. In fact, Hayden, since the redacted quarterback and the news that is forthcoming on him, Among all tight ends that are not retired, David Njoku has actually dropped the most spots over the last month. He's, I believe, dropped 20, 25 spots in in that same amount of time. But man, his game is so different than almost anyone out there. It's screens and vertical shots. That's it. It's an explosive downfield tight end. 35% of his targets last season were 10 plus yards. And then... In terms of yards after the catch, he averaged 11.9 yards per reception, per reception on screens last year. And his running mate, Austin Hooper, was at 15.8. So when Kevin Stefanski draws up a screen, now he's athletic enough. He is going to be a type that can create where other ones cannot. And look, despite being on a team that was top three in terms of using multiple tight ends throughout the league, and Joku only had four games last year of 70 plus percent of the snaps. He caught a touchdown in three of those contests. So now a full-time player, I understand it might be with Jacoby Brissett. If it's with the other quarterback, the ceiling is so much higher. But at tight end 21, when we are drafting two or three out there, if we're just looking for spike weeks, David Joku's skill set fits that perfectly. And his skill set has evolved. They asked Kevin Stefanski about David Njoku, and he said, quote, we certainly want to feature Njoku. He's a big part of what we plan on doing. There is no doubt about that. What I'm impressed about with David is I would use the word evolution again, is his becoming a complete tight end. And that's when when I back, went back and watched David Njoku, I was surprised how physical as, of a run blocker he is. He is kind of like the modern use of a tight end. I think that people kind of confuse 
uh, how much uh, two tight end sets the Browns typically use for that being a bad thing. It's a bad thing when there's three of them. It's actually a good thing when there's two of them because that means that he's going to be competing against Amari Cooper, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Harrison Bryant for targets when they actually pass the ball. Sign me up for that. David Njoku is a freak, freak, freak athlete. He still is relatively young. I think that we were expecting him to be a late breakout type of player because he came in to the NFL as such a raw type of player. They gave him the bag, like a, a oh, bag yes. that we could not even believe was the case. But I think that is a signal that he's going to be out there for almost every single snap this year. And there's not that much target competition. So uh, if the Browns are going to be trailing in, in the second half of games, because Jacoby Brissett's out there, I think they're going to have to give the ball to David and joke. And he is, uh, I think probably the tight end that has a, the best chance of getting to like the top six conversation, just based off a of talent in this range. Yeah, and again, we know Robert Gronkowski has dropped 90 spots because he's legitimately out of the league now. Uh, David Njoku's dropped 25 spots in that time. He's dropped from the tight end 18 to the tight end 21. And again, it's costing you absolutely nothing for this to be your tight end two or the tight end three. And he's the perfect skill set, the perfect archetype for that type of player in best ball underdog fantasy, which hopefully you all are doing this summer, playing and drafting right at this very moment. And if you're not, how the hell? How the hell are you spending these final summer months? Deposit anything. We will match it for first-time users. Use promo code the show and go and play the puppy that's about to finish and go and play Best Ball Mania 3 for a chance to win that $2 million first prize. And then we're giving away money for two other millionaires out there. Okay. Two more names. Four more minutes. Who you hit me with? Gerald Everett. And this one will be pretty damn fast. If you just look at how the Chargers use their tight ends, last year and it's pretty indicative of some uh variance in the touchdown department last year jared cook was fifth in a routes run in the red zone per game last year gerald everett's going to have that role completely to himself this year i think that he can have like a dawson knox kind of stat line where the volume is necessarily there but here you're you could run into seven eight nine touchdowns this year just because you're playing on a good offense i also want to call this maybe a little more of a fragile offense when it comes to the skill group i'm a big fan of mike williams Keenan Allen, I'm a big fan of as well. Those are two of the more injury-prone wide receivers. There's really not that much depth at the other positions. Um, and you just look at it last year, the Chargers were sixth in tight end routes per game, ninth in tight end targets per game. Gerald Everett's going after that. I don't think that Gerald Everett's actually very good. But if you're attached to Justin Herbert, like you can't say that he doesn't have a path to 10 touchdowns just because this offense is so damn good. Yeah, you know I love drafting Josh Palmer. There's a whole clip on the site about that one. In fact, he's moved... 17 spots since that clip posted. So hopefully you are here early for that. Um, and if you want to continue stacking that Chargers passing offense, like you just said, Gerald Everett's the easiest piece to get it. Now, your point of if Gerald Everett's any good, I think is a question that's still left to be answered. I mean, I went in and tried to figure out how the Chargers are even going to use him because he's a very different, let's say, tight end versus a lot of others throughout the league. And this, I think, came from Daniel Popper. The Chargers feel like Everett's athleticism will give them an even more explosive yards after catch dynamic to their offense. Even after Herbert had the third most yards after catch for any quarterback in the league last season. And that checks out with his skill set. You know, he was fifth among tight ends in Yak in 2020, had the fourth most missed tackles among all tight ends in 2019. So as long as he catches the ball, and obviously those plays stand out for us most because he was point shaving last year with the Seattle Seahawks in at least one contest. Uh, Gerald Everett's going to have his opportunity because everyone, everyone in that beat is riding as if he's going to be the starter immediately. 
Yeah, and they paid him enough money. And this is he basically is kind of like a Jared Jared Cook, and that's the exact role that this offense needs. Just use him in athleticism, let him drag across the field, and then hopefully he catches the ball and runs for a first down. But yeah, last call for for the Chargers um, when you're stacking with Herbert is Gerald Everett. And I my favorite stack right now, if you are going with the Chargers, it's Mike Williams in round three, then Justin Herbert round four, and then Gerald Everett to round out that stack. So if we had Gronk, Hunter Henry, Dalton Schultz, and Dawson Knox last year as the four sleeper tight ends that smashed, we need to throw in one more tight end here at the end. And while David Njoku is my highest drafted tight end, this guy's just after that, and it's Pat Fryer Muth. Barely makes this list. Tight end 12, 128 overall. Uh, but man, I am tempted to rank the Muth much higher. Let's talk about this for a moment. We talk about touchdowns. The vast majority of those are converted inside the 20 and inside of the 10 yard line. He had 20 targets inside the red zone last year. That's more than DK Metcalf, Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis, Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey. I can keep going on and on and on down this list. Jalen Waddle, incredible. DeAndre Hopkins, incredible stuff, you know, and that was just as a rookie. The other pitch here with Pat Fryermuth is we know that the Steelers have at least two talented wide receivers in Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. And obviously the latter really struggled during last season, but they're either banking on George Pickens to succeed on the outside. And so maybe that forces one of those players into the slot or maybe Calvin Austin makes it as a slot receiver. Basically what I'm saying is we aren't sure he's going to be the third pass catcher on the Steelers this year. What if it's just Pat Frymuth? Because he kind of was last year, Hayden. And that offense was so vanilla at times. It was, you know, Ben Roethlisberger refused to play from under center. We think Matt Cannon is going to be a little more variety in that offense, especially pre-snap. And so just under, under center stuff with maybe Frymuth detached or tied to the formation as well. Um, I'm just expecting the Steelers to take a step up and he's being drafted as if they're going to take a step back. Yeah, I just think he's very good. The Athletic called him the most impressive player at Steelers OTAs. Um, I think he's very good. He has a path to some touchdowns just because of the way that they use him out there. I'm looking to see if he's going to be out there in all 11 personnel as the blocking type as well because this big Zach Gentry guy kind of gets in the way a little bit. But yes. I'm with you. Uh, Fire Muth is very good at the game. And I think that this is the the one of the... You barely snuck this in on the sleepers. I'm going to look at his ADP and make sure he's 126, not. 126, 128, right around there. Right. Trust me. All right, fair enough. Trust me. I wouldn't lie to you. I mean, I love his movement. I love his toughness as a rookie. He, again, led the Steelers in catches and touchdowns inside the 20-yard line. What is there not to love? And he's being drafted far later than Deontay Johnson is, which makes sense. But uh, let's not give up on the move because he has taken the mantle from Heath Miller because the crowd loves him. Okay, we should get out of here immediately, but give us a couple later ones. So if these guys hit, we can at least tell you that we warned you about them. Austin Hooper, the ball's got to go somewhere. This uh, defense is going to be good, but the offense looks really bad right now in Tennessee. And Austin Hooper got enough money. Uh, this offense is actually one that uses their tight ends. So it's kind of a bet against uh, Traylon Burks and Robert Woods going down the list, kind of piggybacking off of Pat Fryermuth is Kenny Pickett. I think there's some game theory reasons for Best Ball Mania 3 in particular. He's not getting drafted very often. I'd say maybe 10, 20% of drafts. I think that he's he's kind of probably long odds to start week one at this point based off reports. But I do think that by week five, week six, somewhere in that range, you could get Kenny Pickett. So for Best Ball Mania 3 later on, and I think my favorite quarterback sleeper deep into it is Marcus Mariota. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Can, can we just stop with the, um, the, the third round rookies actually getting playing time? Like, this is egregious. Uh, only 15 third round rookie quarterbacks have scored 50 fantasy points across the season ever, ever. And so we're going to keep playing this game with like Malik Lewis, uh, Willis might get starts. Desmond Ritter might get starts. Matt Corral might get starts. Yeah, right. They're not going to get many starts unless there's injury. Marcus Mariota, stack him up with Kyle Pitts. If you want that third quarterback, he's not going to be, be drafted very often in BBM3. The NFL told you they hate all, all these rookie quarterbacks. Because they, they were not good. I know. That's what I'm telling you. So Marcus Mariota, I know that even in the last few years, the Konami code, the rushing upside didn't even turn into actual fantasy points for us. But when I went back and looked, man, when he let it go, he has the juice. Like, he has the legs to create some really explosive plays. I'll quickly throw in Hayden Hurst because I know he's becoming a fan favorite out there as tight end 24. Um, this came comes from Paul Denner Jr. of The Athletic. Quote, is Hayden Hurst a deep sleeper we should be paying attention to? He says, absolutely. C.J. Ozoma last year, 49 receptions, 493 yards, five touchdowns. Says that Hurst, quote, offers a higher ceiling in the passing game than C.J. Ozoma did and then throws in that he'll be a starter and see constant single coverage. So if you draft Joe Burrow, miss out on the T. Higgins, Jamar Chase turn, get Tyler Boyd, maybe packaging him with Hayden Hurst is, is something to consider. Yep. All right. That's it. Our longest one, who knew, was going to be tight ends. And quarterbacks, if you missed on running backs and wide receivers, guess what? You can find them right after the end of this video. We've got so much other great content already on the channel and coming up. So stick with us. Subscribe if you are new here. Up the villa. We will talk to you all soon. See you.